0: I doubt if it's a secret to anyone that human beings struggle with impatience. We're all probably pretty much walking uh, billboards for impatience. I don't know exactly what sort of stirs that impatience in you, but it it might be different, though there are probably some similar things. But we're going to do something. I'm going to push you outside your comfort zones here a little bit this morning. And what I'd like for you to do is take, we're going to take 60, 75 seconds to sort of huddle up with people who are near you and share real briefly a recent moment of impatience. All right, go. Okay, I'm going to have you stop there. I can tell we have a lot of impatience in this group. I mean, we could, I, I got the feeling we could have done that for a while. Uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You know, we, we picked the orange as our fruit today to symbolize patience because it is such a maddening thing to get open, right? Right? I had someone after first service say their strategy is you just smash it down, rub it around, and then it just sort of peels off. And I think any fruit that you have to smash it to open it might not be the best thing to eat it. But they said it was fine. Um, and you know, then you, once you get it open and you start peeling the layers off of it, the, the pieces—you know, you out of this huge space—the thing squirts and where's it go? Right in your eye, right? I mean, it's 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 crazy. We all wrestle with impatience. Now, I don't know what you guys were talking about today. I know my own. I, I, I suspect that for some of us, maybe a high percentage of us, impatience takes place when we're driving, uh, when we're in the car, maybe even recently as we're waiting here for them to, uh, for them to uh, do the, the road work here. Um, go ahead and flash up those couple of pictures there, yeah. Look familiar to anybody? Maybe it's, for, maybe it's something related to family, where you have some family issues. For me, it's often our dog uh, makes me very impatient, as he did this morning. And, I, and I've just, I discovered that there is one solution that I found on the Internet of what to do if you're really impatient. <laughs> last resort. That's all. I would say this is the last resort. We wrestle with impatience. It's, it's, you know, it's a struggle we have. And, and I think that's why when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. The more I ponder patience, the more it seems to me that maybe patience might be the, the most profound sign... ...of spirituality. Obviously, it's a part of love... ...and and love is is significant... ...but love can be a little bit nebulous. Patience is pretty clear. Patient or we're not. And, And Paul says... ...the fruit of the Spirit... ...if you're walking in the Spirit... ...if your life is absorbed by the Spirit... ...if all that you're doing is connected to the Spirit... ...if you're filled with the Spirit then one of the characteristics of the Spirit that's going to come out of you is patience. Now, this word that is, that is translated patience is translated other ways, and maybe actually a, a better translation for understanding it is the word long-suffering. That's how the, a lot of the other translations talk about it. It's long-suffering. And, you know, that, that adds a little different different dimension to the idea of it. Of, ...of suffering long with people or circumstances. You might also say it's, it's being long-tempered. Now, we talk a lot about being short-tempered. This is the opposite of that. We are long-tempered. It is, And it is like all the other characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit something that can only be experienced, what sets it apart as something as of the spirit as opposed to just a general characteristic in the world is that it is always designed, always thinking about self-giving, self-sacrifice. It is, in essence, the very definition of it is holding back what we would really like to do. When we want our temper to go, we hold it back. When we want to lash out, we hold it back. At the root of this understanding of patience or long-suffering, being long-tempered, it it, it really is at the heart of the, the character of God. It amazes me when, back in Exodus, when God says to Moses, this is how I... This is how I want you to explain me to the Israelites. And he says to them, Be long tempered. I am long tempered. I am slow to anger among the characteristics of who I am. And he says it in Exodus, he says it in Numbers, he says it in the psalm that we read this morning. And he's over and over again. At least nine times, God specifically says, I am slow to anger among the characteristics of who I am. This is how you will know me. This is who I am. I am slow to anger. And that's why I want you to be slow to anger. It starts with God. Now, there aren't very many places in Scripture where God is described as being being, uh, having a sort of a hair-trigger temper. There are a few places where God certainly gets frustrated with people. I think about Jesus, even in the disciples. And they're walking along, and he hears them arguing about who's the greatest. And I, I can visualize this conversation. He goes back to them and says, really, you're arguing about this again? Are you kidding me? On those last hours when he's in the upper room with them and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know the way I'm going because I've been telling you about it for three years. And Thomas says, "Um, Lord, we have no idea what you're talking about. Really? Come on. And yet even in that frustration, he is patient. He is long-suffering with them. He is slow to anger. And even, and the thing is, we, we come to know God so much by his patience that those few times when God exhibits something other than that, we are shocked. And we're almost offended by that. And in our human arrogance, we don't say, wow, aren't we fortunate that there are so few of those moments. But rather, uh, God, you're going to have to explain that one to us because that doesn't fit what we think about you it becomes who God is. Patient, slow to anger. You know, it, it's not a coincidence that the, the English word patience is, sounds very similar to what we call someone who has been admitted to the hospital. Because when you're lying in a hospital bed, you're at the mercy of other people. And you can push the call button as much as you want They may come, may not, because there's a whole lot of people they're taking care of. And they've got six people pushing the button. And when you're lying there in bed with nothing to do and you don't feel good, everything is about now. Probably one of the most profound places in the world to learn patience. God is patient. And He calls us to be patient. So Jesus tells this parable. It's this guy owed his master millions of dollars. And he goes to him and says, be patient with me. And I'll pay back everything. Which is ludicrous. It takes take 20 lifetimes to pay back everything. And the master says, okay. I'm patient with you. And the guy goes outside and a friend owes him a few dollars and he says the exact same thing. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. And he has him thrown into prison. And it's not a coincidence that that parable is Jesus' answer to Peter's question, how many times do I have to forgive someone who sins against me? Or another way of saying it, how many times do I have to be patient with this person who's driving me crazy. Seven times. That sounds pretty good. That's more than Thomas. It's better than John. And Jesus says. We have a little different way of. Of framing those things. In the economy of the kingdom. How about. Never ending. It's because God is patient with us that we are able to be patient with others. If God were not patient with us, we wouldn't be here to even be thinking and talking about patience. And he calls us to be patient with each other in our struggle to be impatient, our struggle to forgive, our struggle to be humble, our struggle to, to, to react to people the way God does. And we are all grateful because we know our own struggles. We're so grateful that God is patient with us. We just wrestle being patient with others. But here's the other thing that's come to my mind as I've been pondering this about the patience of God. Is that we like the fact that God is patient with us. What we're not so thrilled about is the fact that God is just patient about everything. In the last chapter of Richard Mao's book on Common Decency, he titles it Serving a Slow God. And I think there is great power in understanding that. And I wonder sometimes if our if our greatest struggle with being patient is really less about us and other people or even us and circumstances, but it's really about us and God. When you read through the Old Testament, how often you'll hear the the writers and the people cry out, How long, O Lord? How long do we have to wait? How long until you're going to do something? How long until you're going to rescue us? How long until you're going to change our circumstances? How long until until you, you stop standing there and you get involved? How long, O Lord? And we pray the same prayers, maybe using different words. It's intriguing to me that when Jesus is, after he has risen and he is preparing just about to ascend into heaven and he's meeting with the disciples and preparing them for the coming of the Holy Spirit, he only gives them one command. Wait. Wait. When you read the scriptures, you get a sense that God is enamored with waiting. God is enamored with taking his time. And we struggle with that because we've got so much to do. We've got people to help. We've got the world to save. God, you're going too slow. This is taking too long. Don't you understand? And it's almost as though we are saying, if it weren't for us, nothing would get done. God, you're going to have to catch up with us. So why is God so enamored with waiting? Why is God so, so interested in continually putting us in situations where we wait? I think one thing is because when you're in a circumstance where you have to wait, what's inside of us begins to leak out. When we are in positions where we have to wait, we feel out of control. And when we feel out of control, what is really going on inside of us comes out of us. And it's important for us to know that. And God realizes that without those waiting periods where we see who we truly are and we recognize some of the stuff in us that needs to be changed, we'll ignore it. We'll deny it. Craig Barnes tells about uh, Ernest Hemingway who was a soldier in World War I and was injured and I think they pulled 237 pieces of shrapnel out of his body. And he as he as he lay over the months in this hospital recovering from his injuries, he watched all the other injured people who were there with him. And it was one of those open wards that they always had used to have with soldiers all over the place and beds everywhere and you could see each other and he said he watched people and how they reacted to being in that circumstance and some people took it as a challenge to grow during that time and and they used the waiting to to read and to challenge themselves and to to become more mature as just human beings and other people did the exact opposite they wasted it they they just whined and complained and and, and and exuded their immaturity. And it made a deep impression on Hemingway so that when he, when, he, when he recovered and he started writing his novels, often his plot lines have someone put in a position where they are forced in a circumstance to wait, and you have to decide how they're going to respond, and the story worked its way out of that. And he was convinced that those periods of waiting tell a lot about our character. What's important to us? What's inside of us? And I suspect that is one of the reasons that God puts us in places where we have to wait. But I also think that waiting, I'm convinced waiting is the only place, the only way we can really learn to trust God. You can't learn to trust Just by theory. The only way you can learn to trust is to be placed in a position where you have to decide to trust. And we can talk about trust. We can explain it. And we can go to great lengths to describe it. But ultimately, the only way to learn to trust is to be placed in a position where you have to decide to trust and god wants us desperately to learn to trust him because only as we trust him only as we surrender ourselves to him only as we place our hope in him will we experience the fullness of his life in us because in trusting we open up more of ourselves to him and he comes in his fullness and he fills us with his peace and his joy and his grace and his presence And we begin to experience what we were created to experience and what we were being continually recreated to experience. But its roots are back in waiting. So the Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and soar become the people God created them to be. There is a sense in waiting that we learn to trust. I know it's hard for us because we live in a world where everything is about now. It's about the immediate. We are always looking for ways to bypass waiting. To bypass even being challenged about patience... I mean, you think about how we do in major cities how we do tolls anymore. You know, you, you don't, we don't. It's too long to wait in a toll line for the to pay the toll. So now we created Easy Pass, and it's a great thing. But that can be slow too because you have to at least you have to slow down a little bit. So now there are places where you drive and you just go right on through it, and they take a picture of your license plate, and within a few weeks you go online and you pay your toll. Faster, faster, faster. You know how you know, the, what we do with a lot of our restaurants is how fast can we get our food we aren 't even that concerned about what it tastes like anymore it 's just how fast we can get it you know it was it was you know we used to sit down at a restaurant and now you know you and you wait to be served and then we created restaurants where you go to a, a counter and they hand you your food and they 're making it they have it made before you get there a lot of times and and you, you take your food, but that wasn 't fast enough and so we uh, do, as John Ortberg said, we get food through the drive-thru so we can eat it in cars like God intended us to. <laughs> and and even, we've even pushed that because now you can order, you can go online or you can call them and you can order it. And so when you get there, there it is, right there waiting for you. It's all about fast. Everything about technology is faster, faster, faster. I often ponder about missionaries a hundred years ago. Sent a, you know, they sent a letter and it would take months to get where it was going and take months to get a reply. And now we're upset if someone doesn't respond to our email within two minutes. It's all about faster. But It's not just about fast. It's about productivity. It's about being fast about how we produce things. And we as a culture value productivity almost above anything else. What are you doing how much have you made? How much have you accomplished? How much have you gotten? How much have you done? And it's all about productivity. In fact, we even talk about people and ask, are they productive members of society? We use productivity as a way of valuing people. It's all about what we produce. Now, it's not as though we aren't interested in what we produce... ...or that God isn't interested in, about what, in what we produce... The first psalm says, you know, blessed are those who who plant their trees by, by the river and water and whose delight is in the law of the Lord because they will produce great fruit. The problem is we tend to read that and think the goal is producing great fruit. The goal is planting our tree by the water. The goal is delighting in the law of the Lord. The fruit that comes out of it is simply the result of us working toward this goal. The same way with the parable Jesus tells about scattering seed. And it falls on different types of ground. And some of it falls on good soil. And it takes root and it comes up. And it produces a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. And we think, we get in our minds, the goal is the harvest... The goal is not the harvest. It's creating soil in our lives that can, that in which seeds, the seeds of God and the Spirit will take root and grow. And the harvest is simply the result of what we're doing with the soil. See, as we're enamored with what we're producing, God is enamored with how we're getting there. He's enamored with the process. And the process is always going to involve waiting in some way or another. Because that's how we learn to trust. That's, those are the moments when we learn to surrender our control. And to surrender our will and having things our way and our time. And that's why prayer is so vital to the fruit of the Spirit, but particularly patience. As I envisioned this series way back when I was first thinking about it, I wanted it to be connected to what we do every November in, in our 24-hour, three-week prayer vigil. And as we are planning that, there are some things that we're doing that are going to connect us with the fruit of the Spirit as we, as we go through that three-week vigil and praying together because prayer and waiting are connected. Now we tend to think prayer with prayer and waiting as how long do I have to wait for God to give me what I want? But when we read the scriptures we find over and over again God is saying you pray and then you wait. And I'll give you the right thing in the right way at the right time that I know is best. And your job is to pray and to wait. And the timing, that's my job. And in the waiting for God to answer, in the waiting for God to do what we're asking of Him, that's where spiritual growth and spiritual maturity takes place. As Eugene Peterson says, waiting in prayer Is really the discipline of refusing to act ahead of God when He wants to act. Now, let me just give you a warning. If you pray for patience, be prepared for God to give you opportunities to learn patience. And that's the rub. You can't learn it any other way. But as God begins to work in our lives because we've given him opportunities and we've, we we're desiring to wait and to surrender and to give up control, we will find God doing things in our hearts we couldn't have imagined. Think about godly people you know. Somebody that you think, I wish I could be like them. I wish I had the kind of relationship with God that I see in them. You think about that person. Are they that way because they don't have any struggles? I'd be surprised. Are they that way because they're perfect? Are they that way because they follow all the exact rules of the do's and the don'ts and all the things like that that we have added on to what it means to be a Christian? No. It's because through waiting and patience, trusting God, they have developed a relationship with God of surrender and of joy. God wants us to know that same kind of relationship. Father, we pray that you will help us as we wrestle not only with being impatient with each other, but quite frankly, impatient with you. Teach us to trust. And help us to find the joy of waiting. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. We're going to give you Again, opportunities to to take this with you, whatever God may be saying to you. There are cards at the, at the ends of each of the rows, inside and outside. Make sure everybody in your row gets one of those. And sometime today, write on that card whatever God may be saying to you. It may be a word of encouragement, maybe a word of conviction, but whatever God may be saying to you, write it on the card and keep it in front of you. And join again this week in taking five minutes a day to pray for patience. And if you would like to talk with someone this morning, the elders are down by the prayer room. They would be happy to listen to you, pray with you, and to assist you as we together learn to trust God in waiting patience.